I'm Sienna. I don't like CD. Why? Because I don't like him. <laughs> but he's rubbish. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Hashtag third episode. Surprise, surprise. And welcome to episode 384, just a day later of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, seated right next to me, as always, the lovely and talented co-host of the show of this very program that you love and enjoy and tune into so often, mm. Brittany Page. No, there we go. <laughs> there we go. I, I, I want to say, first of all, that we aren't going to be talking about Florida on no, this on this episode. Right. Yeah. So um, if you send us something related to that, we are not going to be talking about that on this episode. Um, but I do have to say something I want to talk about is that angel, the absolute angel. Oh yeah. That was at the beginning of this episode. I'm Sienna. I don't like Jesse D. He's rubbish. <laughs> He's rubbish. <laughs> How cute is that? Pretty amazing. So cute. You were saying that if you had a child who sounded like that, yes, you would make uh it would be a spectacle. I said I would make them say everything all the time and just record it and laugh and <laughs> laugh. It's so cute. I I wish that I had that accent. Everyone knows that. Um and I it's just so precious. Sienna, thank you for sending that. So thank you, Wayne, in the UK, your your lovely daughter, your wonderfully cute child, mm-hmm. and her very fortunate accent. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Signing regards, mm-hmm. rubbish Jesse D. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it again. Let's hear it again, just for... For you. Yeah, yeah. I'm Sienna. I don't like Jesse D. <laughs> He's rubbish. Oh, <laughs> It's so cute. Well, you know what she's saying. You suck. Yeah, I fucking hate that guy. He's trash. Yes. Is what she's saying. Well, it sounds so sweet, though. <laughs> it it could be a compliment because of the way it sounds. Anything said with that accent, one, is sophisticated. Yeah. And two, yeah, it has more, a little bit more credibility to it. Yeah. I mean... A little weightier. Yeah. Sienna is smarter than both of us combined. I don't doubt that. Yeah, I think that, I that is. Especially with Wayne as a father. Yes, that's a fact. I mean, he's a smart ass. Mm-hmm. And often very, very wrong. Uh, but he's a, he's a smart fella. All right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, you know what I do want to talk about? Yeah. Wow, very... Yeah. <laughs> um, We went to a show the other night, a concert. Mm-hmm. Joey Dosick. Mm-hmm. At the Troubadour in Hollywood. Yep. And so something that I noticed, I'm coughing, it's happening to coughing you. here, something that I noticed twice or three times uh-huh. while waiting for the show to start, people are coming from different places, obviously, you know, friends are meeting there, and why do dudes do the awkward handshake, 
mm-hmm. but they're not sure if they should handshake or hug mm-hmm. or uh, the dude bro thing. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. So what they go in for a handshake and don't actually do the hand. Are you talking about like the herky jerky thing that sometimes occurs when you don't know if you should be greeting someone with a handshake or a hug and it kind of turns into this. Oh, you put your hand up, but then you jerk it back down because you're doing a hug. That's or- exactly right. Okay. That's weird for me. So, but you were only noticing it with men. I don't think it only happens with men. Oh, I don't. I didn't see. Does Is that a woman thing too? I think it's a people thing. Huh. I don't know. I I don't. I'm not uh, afflicted by that. I have good friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good friends who are awkward. Like want to shake my hand. Like, mm-hmm. What What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Just come on, bring well, it in for the real like, thing. Some people don't like hugs. What those about pe- what about those people? Those people are wrong so and dumb. When you start lifting your arms to assault someone with a hug, with one of your hugs, and they don't want it, you just force I, it. I you force it upon my, them. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I lift my arms uh-huh. to assault someone <laughs> with my hug. Yeah. That's what I'm asking. So what happens when they don't want it? The, everyone wants a hug oh. from Jesse D. <laughs> well, what I do is I just extend my arms wide. And then they... Come on. Yeah. And then they just... The pressure is on. There's no pressure. It, it takes the pressure off that they don't have to fumble around with their awkward fucking handshake. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I, I have seen the herky jerk happen and the, the herky jerk has happened to me as well. But that's because um, I've been in situations where you're not quite the hugger. I was trying to shake someone's hand because I didn't want to hug them. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, they wanted to hug me. <laughs> Um, so there are situations where you, you don't want that to happen, but you're talking about like friends and that's a different situation where if you're meeting someone at at somewhere and they're your friend, then it seems like you would be past that point. Like that happens the, the second time or third time, maybe you're around someone. I'm not saying that if I meet with an agent or someone and I walk in the room and I'm, it's the first time meeting with someone Mm -hmm. that I, that I, just go in for a hug. Yeah, you you are talking about you're distinguishing between friendly situations and professional situations. That's a social thing. You know the guys like, "Oh, hey, you you could tell these guys had seen one another before." It's yeah. like, "Oh, hey, good to see you again." Yeah. Several then, times uh, maybe. Uh, uh, and yeah. then obviously <laughs> if if one of them's going in for a hug, it's uh-huh. they know each other well enough to right, hug. Right. Right. Okay. And one of them Why just extend? might be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Just be be cool. Everybody should be cool with hugging. I'm well, not saying that that you walk around and and creep be creepy creep. Okay, and that's so I get a bad rap where everyone is talking about oh Brittany and the hugging. Uh, there's always all these comments. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm not weird about it. The situations that I'm talking about are when like I don't the dude has been weird around me, and so I don't want to hug that person, and that's a handshake situation. Okay, but outside of those those situations... Well, also, I'm not talking about woman-man right now. I'm yeah. talking about other dudes. Well, I'm explaining because I always get shit for this from people. Like, oh, but I'll only hug Brittany if she wants to. You know, ha, ha, ha. Oh, yeah. And it's not like that. It's if you are a creeper, then yeah, it's probably going to be a difficult situation and we're going to have some herky-jerk going on. But if, <laughs> if uh, you're not, then it's fine. Yeah. That's how that works. Pretty easy. Yeah, I don't know. I but was you're just... talking about dude on dude. 
hugging. Yeah. I Why was are you smiling about... so much with the way that I'm talking? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just it's just a weird thing. I, I don't I just avoid the the awkwardness of like the do we shake oh and then you put the hand up and then they they realize you didn't want to, so they put it down, but then your hand's left up there. So I just avoid all of that. <laughs> well, yeah. I and think... I just put the arms out. Just bring it in. We're going to hug. Yeah, listen. It reminds me of um, like men who go to the movies together and they sit. They skip a seat. Yeah, they put a seat between God, that's them. That's so fucking weird. I think it's weird, too. And I'm wondering if there's a connection here. Like the, the type of guy that when his friend comes at him with a hug, wants to shake rather than hug and kind of enters into this herky-jerky dance. Or they do the weird one-arm hug where it's like they're shaking hands but then also reach the one arm around. If these are the same guys who like want this space. Also, I want to know how that conversation happens. Do they say, hey, man, do you want to go to the movies? And then they get in there like, no, 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 don't sit next to me, bro. I need a seat that's open. Well, I I think what it is is the one who's uncomfortable will wait... The one who is like wildly paranoid that someone's going to think he's gay. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Oh, I think so. Hmm. I don't want somebody to think I'm with him. Huh. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I've never, that's never been a concern for me. Yeah. You know how people know I'm not gay? Why? Me not being gay. I, it doesn't matter. And there's been times in my life, you know this story. Yeah. Where people have said things around me about something looking gay or not and yeah. using it as a derogatory term. Yeah. And me saying, well, I'm gay and I I wear that, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then they're yeah. awkward and very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I don't let them off the hook. There's, yeah. there's dozens of people probably walking around on this earth who think I'm gay. Perfect. Because I never let them off the hook. Well, it also doesn't matter. Like, no, of course it doesn't no, matter, I know. but I'm talking about the guy yeah. who is paranoid about it. So anyway, let me go through the dynamic of how I think it works. Okay, I can't wait. I don't know. Riveting. This just went off the rails. <laughs> but, but I think what happens is the guy who's uncomfortable with it, mm-hmm. wants the space, yeah. will wait for the other dude to sit down. Okay. And then he'll skip a seat and sit down. Mm-hmm. So it's the timing thing. It's not discussed prior. Yeah, like, this hey, is... We got to make sure we have that... That space there. Yeah, there's a contract. I am going to need you to sign this. Um, <laughs> that's just too much mental energy. Yeah, no kidding. You know, you have it to is. wait for him to sit down and like navigate all this. That just is too much mental energy spent on something that doesn't matter at all. I agree. I Look, my, my best friend Brett and I have gone to the movie several times and I don't remember ever a time where there was a, a middle missing empty seat. Yeah, in fact, I think I walked in to meet you guys and you were actually sitting in his lap one time. <laughs> and I I thought that was kind of weird, but, um, you know, whatever you like. <laughs> hey, man, I like to be comfortable yeah. when, I, when I'm in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> that didn't really happen. <laughs> I would love to know. Uh, I mean, I don't want to flood a calls and make mm-hmm. this a topic we talk about. For no, I would episodes. love to hear from people. I mean, yeah, we don't need to spend. <laughs> we already spent too much time on it. But I, I would. I'm kind of curious about how it works. If if someone's listening to this and kind of cringing because we're talking about them, <laughs> um, I'd love to hear about the dynamics. Yeah, if you're an awkward hugger, awkward if hugger. You're a non-hugger. Non-hugger. If I'm wrong about this and you yeah. can set me straight, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's do this early. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and 
good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. So we didn't mention the names last time, so we're doing that now. And Rende upped Rende. her pledge. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Doubled the pledge. Yes. Beautiful. And Burnt is... Burnt is back. Is back. Uh, long time. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say like long time consistent loyal listener, but how the hell do I know? Mm-hmm. Burnt, uh... One of an early adopter yeah. of the show. Yeah. Who maybe is, is back. Little communication through Twitter now and again. It's good to good to hear from Burnt. Yes. Very good. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. As we do all of the support from our Patreon family, from our Amazon purchasing family, if that's a family, and also from the people who buy uh buy the merch. Yeah. Dollamore Mugs, uh, totes. Mugs, totes. Shirts. You're the puppet shirts. Mm-hmm. Dollamore.info is where you get that. Yep. It's all a real, real good And time. when you get that stuff, by the way, take a picture with it, send it to us, and we like to put that stuff on the Facebook page and the Instagram page. Even where your it. stickers are, we like to know. Yeah, we sent out a ton of stickers and haven't seen where any of them ended up. We don't even know if you got them. Yeah, most people are dicks, yeah. I think is what How it is. How dare you <laughs> not tell us where they ended up? Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So let's get to this Russia business. You want to do the Russia business first? No, I think we have some Trump tweets to read. Oh, do we now? Yeah, he's tweeting again, huh? Mm-hmm. I thought that he was again. Taking, taking a break. No. I will say this: Look, I have millions of people on Twitter. It's a lot of people. If somebody can't handle a Twitter account, they can't handle the nuclear account. So, I'm going to start with... A tw- why, why are you waving your arms like a conductor? <laughs> um, Even when you were talking, you were still... You were still waving your arms. Because it's so catchy and fun. <laughs> How dare you? So he tweeted, this is uh, from February 18th. I'm just going to kind of go around to the different tweets. Yeah, yeah. First of all, he's been getting dragged on Twitter because he's been tweeting flat out lies that are easily fact-checked and proved wrong. And uh, it's been great to see that happening. But he tweeted another meme or cartoon of CNN, uh, Wolf Blitzer. He was like an old man hunched over. And it, it I can't see it now because it, the account from which it was retweeted has been suspended. Yeah, it's one of those Russian troll accounts. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And so the account has been suspended. So it says this tweet is unavailable, but the tweet that Donald Trump made when he quote tweeted it is still there. The fake news of big ratings loser CNN. Damn. And it has 72,000 likes, 19,000 retweets. 
And again, the picture was like the evidence for the Mueller investigation will come in any day now. Wolf yeah, Blitzer saying that. Yeah, it's Wolf Blitzer as this frail old man with a cane indicating that CNN in, you know, 30 years is still reporting, waiting for any evidence whatsoever that Russia meddled in the election or further that Trump had some some active role in a collusion type of role. Right. So so the information came out that Russians are being indicted for election interference. That's right. 13, the grand jury, the Mueller grand jury, the impaneled grand jury issued indictment, an indictment for 13 Russians and also Russian companies or organizations. Right. And when that happened, General McMaster came out and I believe said something that recognized this as true and factual. Unequivocal now. We know for sure Russia absolutely meddled and interfered in our in the 2016 election. But apparently he forgot to say something. Well, according to Trump. Because Donald Trump <laughs> tweeted on February 17th, General McMaster forgot to say... <laughs> it's like a Trump issued addendum to a statement that the results of the 2016 election were not impacted or changed by the Russians and that only collusion was between Russia and crooked H the DNC and the Dems remember the dirty dossier uranium speeches emails and the Podesta company it's just everything that he can throw against the wall and see what sticks He's going to do it. The next day, he continued, never gotten over the fact that Obama was able to send $1.9 billion in cash to Iran and nobody in Congress, the FBI or justice called for an investigation. <laughs> Finally, little Adam Schiff, the leaking monster of oh, no control, leaking monster. is now blaming the Obama administration for Russian meddling in the 2016 election. He is finally right about something. Obama was president, knew of the threat, and did nothing. Thank you, Adam. Uh, right, because that's what Adam Schiff is doing. I never said Russia did not meddle in the election. I said it may be Russia or China or another country or group, or it may be a 400-pound genius sitting in bed and playing with his computer. The Russian hoax was that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. It never did. You can't change your story now. Fuckhole. We know what you've said over the course of the past over one year. We also heard you ask the Russians to hack Hillary Clinton's emails. We also know about the meeting on June 9th in, at which Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, uh, Natalia Veselnitskaya, Aknet Rachmishin, and other Russian nationals attended with the promise of giving you dirt against Hillary. We know all these details. Well, Fuck off. Donald Trump also said that he talked to Putin about it. He asked Putin and Putin said no. And, right. And so that, and he took him his word. Yeah, that seemed good. Well, he says he didn't do it. It's good enough for me. Yeah, I asked him about it. He said he didn't do it. He's a stand up guy. What are you guys worried about? I mean, when he stands up, he's four foot two. But yeah, he's stand up. Okay, now that Adam Schiff is starting to blame President Obama for Russian meddling, did you see where we're going with this? Yes. In the election, he is probably doing so as yet another excuse that the Democrats, led by their fearless leader, crooked Hillary Clinton, lost the 2016 election. But wasn't I a great candidate? 
Uh, remember, that is what the narrative was, that this is all a complete hoax, fake news, to draw attention away from this historic loss of the Democrats. That's what he was saying. Now, apparently, when really for months there's been no room on this, he wants to say, oh, I've been saying that all along. I'm just saying I had nothing to do with it. You are a fucking liar. He tweeted, Russia started their anti-U.S. campaign in 2014 long before I announced that I would run for president. The results of the election were not impacted. The Trump campaign did nothing wrong. No collusion. (laughs) Um, So in Roger Stone's book, Devil's Bargain, something or the other. Do you know this book? Uh, Yeah, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. (laughs) Come on. He said, quote, Donald told me on New Year's Day 2013 when I called to wish him Happy New Year that he just trademarked the phrase make America great again and was definitely going to run. Well, that, that throws a little wrench in the tweet. Yeah, there. read the tweet again. So hang on. Roger Stone writes in a book. Yeah. That Donald Trump in 2013. New Year's Day 2013. Trademarked the phrase make America great again. So when he ran for president, it would be his. And Donald Trump says Russia started their anti-U.S. campaign in 2014, long before I announced I would run for president. The results of the election were not impacted. The Trump campaign campaign did nothing wrong. No collusion. Are we done with the tweets? Because I have a I have a, a Jake Tapper uh, factcheck.org um, clip that would that's clearing a lot of this up. The fact that the Russia interference didn't impact the election, because it's also a narrative that uh, Vice President Mike Pence has been running with for a long time, well, too. Well, we're not done with him. And All I also right. want to correct myself really quick because uh, The Devil's Bargain is not Roger Stone's book. It's actually a book by Joshua Green. But Roger Stone is quoted as saying that in Joshua Green's book. All right. All right. Just to give that oh, little... Oh, Devil's Bargain. That's the uh, that's the book about... Uh, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. Yes. Right, right. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I also want to talk about the latest one that he sent. Obama was president up to and beyond 2016 election, so why didn't he do something about Russian meddling? He did. He imposed sanctions on Russia. Yeah, pretty crippling sanctions. Um, which Michael Flynn, Donald Trump's former national security advisor, That's right. <laughs> talked to the Russians about. That's right. And then lied about doing that to the FBI. Hence why he is now... A felon. So it's weird to me that Donald Trump, number one, is tweeting all of this stuff just lying um, when it's so easily proved false. Well, I, I don't I think his audience is not us or the media or rationally thinking people. I think his audience Donald Trump, is this guy. Baby. We got some Hillary bitches on here. Come on, baby. I think he thinks that guy is going to help him. Mm-hmm. That the throngs of unwashed, uneducated, low information voters, his base, his base, are going to be able to help him turn mm-hmm. the tide of public opinion anyway. Huh. So I think he's taking refuge with that guy, which how smart is that? Mm-hmm. That guy can never fly Delta again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what I mean? Are you talking about he doesn't have that much of an influence because he can't fly Delta ever again? Well, there's just lots of those guys. <laughs> so anyway, let's let's play. Can I play this, Jake Tapper? Yes, we're as, done. As we're done with, the tw- we're done with the tweets. All right. Well, here's Jake Tapper talking about that very thing about election interference and whether or not they actually had an impact on the election. Because like I said, 
Mike Pence has been talking about this for a while and still maintains that, well, they may have tried to interfere, but really there was no impact. Hey, everybody, it's Jake Tapper from CNN State of the Union and FactCheck.org. And this week, we're taking a look at claims by various members of the Trump administration that the intelligence community has overwhelmingly concluded that the Russian election interference in the 2016 presidential election had no impact at all on the results of the presidential election. Vice President Mike Pence just made that claim a few days ago. Take a listen. Well, the first thing that we all agree on is that um, irrespective of efforts that were made in 2016 by foreign powers, it is the universal conclusion of our intelligence communities that none of those efforts had any effect on the outcome of the 2016 election. This is the accepted view. And it's not just Vice President Pence. The CIA director, Mike Pompeo, also issued a similar comment back in October. The intelligence community's assessment is that the Russian meddling that took place did not affect the outcome of the election. So is this true? Is it, as Vice President Pence said, the universal conclusion of the intelligence community that Russian election interference had no impact on the result of the election? No, that is not true. The intelligence community writ large in January 2017 issued a report looking at Russian election interference in the 2016 presidential election. And they very specifically said in their report that they were not going to assess whether the interference had an impact on the election. They wrote, quote, we did not make an assessment of the impact that Russian activities had on the outcome of the 2016 election. The U.S. intelligence community is charged with monitoring and assessing the intentions, capabilities, and actions of foreign actors. It does not analyze U.S. political processes or U.S. public opinion, unquote. So far from universally declaring that the election interference had had no impact, the U.S. intelligence community actually said they were not going to make an assessment one way or the other. Here's the director of national intelligence at the time, retired General James Clapper. This report does not, repeat, does not assess the impact of Russian activities on the actual outcome of the 2016 election or draw any conclusions in that regard. We have no way of gauging uh, the impact that certainly the intelligence community can't gauge the impact it had on uh, choices the electorate made. There's no way to, for us to gauge that. Now, after Pompeo in October said the exact opposite of that, the CIA issued a statement saying, quote, the intelligence assessment with regard to Russian election meddling has not changed and the director did not intend to suggest that it had. Did the intelligence community say anything about this? Well, they did write the following, quote, Putin and the Russian government developed a clear preference for President-elect Trump. They aspired to help President-elect Trump's election chances when possible by discrediting Secretary Clinton and publicly contrasting her unfavorably to him. So what Director Pompeo said in October and Vice President Pence said this week is completely wrong. The intelligence community did not say that the election interference had no impact. In fact, they said that they were not going to assess it at all. The intelligence community also said that it was the clear intention of the Russians to help Trump and to hurt Hillary Clinton. 
A reminder to all you politicians out there, you're certainly entitled to your own opinions. You're not entitled to your own facts, and you are certainly not entitled to spread falsehoods. I'm Jake Tapper from CNN State of the Union and factcheck.org. That was a really hateful ending. And I'll take... Very aggressive. I will take that a step further, and I will say they did actually impact because the margins were so thin in those states in which they were operating so aggressively, like Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, that... To think that they didn't impact is far more, it's more of an unreasonable conclusion than thinking that they did. So the chances are, are, are very great that they did swing the pendulum into Donald Trump's favor. Yeah, I think that he's probably trying to approach it delicately because it's hard to measure. Right, right, right. Exactly the amount of interference and what effect it had well, basically they're they're wanting certainty yeah i'm just using kind of a reasonable man a reasonable individual outlook on it and i think it's reasonable to expect that to have been the case mm-hmm. so well and the fact that the interference campaign had been going on since at least 2014 yeah um they had been doing this for a while and still are and that's the other thing that you're going to hear from from these these ding dongs is talking about how a lot of the ads were spent after the election. And well that that proves that it had nothing to do with the election. No. Just, that means it's a continuing and ongoing operation by Russia to influence our culture and thereby our 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 election. They're still doing it, and they're planning to do it going on further into 2018. Well, you know, I always hear people um, mocking. I don't always hear people. I hear some people on a podcast that I'm thinking of specifically mocking the Russian interference, talking specifically about the amount of money that was spent on Facebook advertising. Right. And this... Because it was only 100 or 150,000. Yeah. That it was nothing. But the indictment actually goes into detail about another organization called the Internet Research Agency. And they had a monthly budget of approximately $1.25 million toward interference efforts by September 2016. And not only that, they employed hundreds of individuals for their operations. Yeah. So that is significant well it's either that person we're not going to give them publicity but that person's just a, a moron and a, a contrarian mm-hmm. fifth column podcast so let's get on well don't malign the whole podcast is just one person in particular that is camille foster okay and <laughs> but but this it does bother me because someone that has a platform should um Number one, read the indictment, figure out right. what... It's 37 pages, though. That's a lot of information to read. Well, well 538 <laughs> has a great write-up on it, then. Um, <laughs> how much did the Russian interference affect the 2016 election? And read some information there, because you can't just brush off the influence yeah, that they sure. had. Yeah. This was powerful. And whether you can say yes or no to the question of, did this really interfere did is his election is his election like illegitimate or whatever um there's still a problem here and this is serious and donald trump needs to be taking it seriously and protect the country absolutely rather than running his mouth about president obama and why didn't president obama deal with it well you know what why don't you deal with it now 
Well, Why you, are you asking questions like this? That's exactly right. Be a you leader. are president. Just because something wasn't done the way it should have been done in the past doesn't mean you need to continue to make those mistakes. Right, and all presidents make these complaints. Well, you know, it's the hand that I was given. It's oh, I kind of got in here when everything was all messed up. Yeah, well, you get in there and you clean it up. Yeah, Isn't that listen, why you were elected? In a baseball game, well, Gary Johnson, the guy behind me, he struck out. So I guess I don't have to try to get a hit. That's not the way it works. You're now in charge. Make a difference. Lead. Be a leader. So because this is kind of a different show, um, which way should we go here? I've got the Trump um, linking the Florida school shooting to the Mueller probe or Shep Smith going into a little bit more detail. I, I tell you what, let's go with uh, the, the previous. Mm-hmm. So, Zeke, the president took aim at the FBI. Because, <laughs> because we're still kind of on the tweet thing. Mm. So here's this. Donald Trump, and this will this will round out the Trump tweet segment mm -hmm. where Donald Trump tweeted the other day maligning once again the FBI because they did drop the ball. We talked about that yesterday on the show on 383. And Trump is now ca trying to capitalize that and use it to his favor saying that the entire FBI is too busy investigating collusion to take care and make sure these kids were safe. So, Zeke, the president took aim at the FBI Saturday. This follows a call from Governor Rick Scott for Director Christopher Wray to step down. What are the chances of that and what would it mean? Um, there don't seem to be a, a tremendous prospects for that. Uh, obviously, Rick Scott's uh, uh, call on Friday was a, a very emotionally raw one. Uh, came in, uh, amid news that the FBI missed uh, warning signs and didn't filter news of, uh, uh, of, of this alleged shooter's uh, uh, the, the, the warnings about this alleged shooter uh, down to local authorities. Um, the president you know, is obviously frustrated with the FBI both about this and nobody is saying the FBI did a good thing. The, uh, it, you know, it was in the right here. But the president's frustrations with the FBI also extend to the Russia investigation. He's uh, clashed with Christopher Wray, who he picked uh, for the post last year after he fired Jim Comey um, over that Russia memo that he declassified um, you know, earlier this year. Um, so there are tensions there, but uh, it's very unlikely to see Christopher Wray, Christopher Wray leave uh, the FBI. And certainly if he did, uh, it would have implications. Not It would be not just about uh, this. All right, we're going to stop that there. God damn. Um, that was a clip that I wasn't going to play because those two people are, you know, they couldn't find their fucking. Okay. Hashtag third episode. Asshole with a flashlight. Hashtag third episode. Ugh. Anyway, this is the tweet that he tweeted. Very sad that the FBI missed all the many signals sent out by the Florida school shooter. This is not acceptable. They are spending too much time trying to prove Russian collusion with the Trump campaign. There is no collusion. Once again, there is no collusion. He get, keeps saying it. Get back to the basics. Well, if you say it more than once, it, it becomes more true. Mm -hmm. Get back to the basics and make us all proud! Exclamation point. So he's asserting here that the Miami field office of the FBI is fully staffed and working overtime on the Russia collusion effort or, investigation. Or he's saying that the FBI has 10 employees and <laughs> yeah, they don't have enough people to be working on many different things. Uh, when there's between 35 and 40,000 or something employees at the FBI. 
Is that the number? There's pl- oh, yeah, yeah. It's tens of thousands. There's plenty of people mm-hmm. to do both. Yeah. People who are counterintelligence, counterterrorism, people who have nothing to do with the Russia investigation. Isn't it embarrassing? I mean, I know we talk yes. about this a lot, but this this tweet in particular was pretty embarrassing. Well, it's just, it's, uh, he is using a tragedy like this as cover the dead bodies of 17 American children and a couple of educators. He's using as cover for himself and the Trump campaign and the Robert Mueller thing. It's also so transparent. Yeah. Well, he's getting called out. This isn't one of those other tweets. Yeah. You were saying he's getting dragged. Yeah. Again, we're not, I don't want to get into the whole shooting thing again. We're going to, we'll deal with it on the next episode. But um, this, one of the other reasons that makes this a little different, that the, these high school kids aren't, they're not putting up with this shit. They're calling him out. Yeah. On this shit. Mm-hmm. They're aggressive. The news is being very proactive and getting them on TV because these kids are so well-spoken. Very articulate, very uh, aware of the of the power that they have in their in their voice. So it is uh, it's a good thing. So anyway, let, let's get to this. Shep Smith really breaks it down. Brittany made a comment that she really hopes that there are there's some portion of the Fox News audience that is listening or or open to the information that that Shep Smith is. Is presenting because yeah. it is stole cone, stole cold facts. Mm-hmm. It's cone, stole, stole, <laughs> cold stone mm-hmm. facts. Yeah. All y- right. You got it. Eventually, I got there. You'll get there. <laughs> I think you still weren't there, but you will. <laughs> if there was ever any question, even a single question, there is no more. Russia attacked the United States of America, a coordinated, government-sponsored campaign to undermine America's democracy, eventually in support of Donald Trump and against Hillary Clinton. I'm Shepard Smith in New York. A brand new indictment indicates the Russians' elaborate online operations convinced us Americans to attend political rallies that the Russians organized. The Russians set up websites and Facebook pages and Twitter accounts pretending to be Americans and duped us into following them and friending them and retweeting them. The Russians infiltrated our system, manipulated us on behalf of Vladimir Putin, and they did it online and in person on our soil. Russians came to swing states in the United States pretending to be Americans and tried to convince us Americans that they're part of the system, not working against it. And the Russians, say this indictment, posed as Americans and communicated with unwitting people associated with the Trump campaign to try to coordinate political activities. That's a blockbuster charge. Russians, thought to be Americans, working with Trump supporters or allies to do politics together. The Russian investigation is the opposite of a hoax. And now, indictments against Russian organizations and persons have been handed up. In an extraordinary and unprecedented appearance on national television just this afternoon, 
The Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein announced the indictment of 13 Russian nationals and three Russian companies with setting up an intricate and elaborate million-dollar-plus plot to influence American voters. Now we know how vulnerable we were and how effective the Russians became. The defendants allegedly conducted what they called information warfare against the United States with the stated goal of spreading distrust towards the candidates and the political system in general. The feds charged the Russians set up that elaborate system made to appear to originate in the United States, operated by Americans, but actually controlled, for, controlled from and paid for by Russian leadership, coordinated out of a large bot farm in St. Petersburg, Russia. This went on not from the election, but dating way back to 2013, a coordinated on-the-ground effort. They bought properties in the United States, set up systems in the United States in a bold attack on the United States with a long-term vision. In order to hide the Russian origins of their activity, the defendants allegedly purchased space on computer servers located here in the United States in order to set up a virtual private network. The defendants allegedly used that infrastructure to establish hundreds of accounts on social media networks such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, making it appear that those accounts were controlled by persons located in the United States. One day, they set up two rallies, one in support of the Republican candidate, one in opposition to the, uh, the Republican candidate in the same city, New York, at the same time. The Russian defendants allegedly used that infrastructure to establish hundreds of accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, making it appear the accounts were controlled by persons located in the U.S. In other words, Russian bots are very real. They engaged in information warfare. The Russians attacked our democracy. They're attacking it now. And they will continue to attack it in the future. This is real. This, by no means, is fake news. And you can't tell me. I, I just, it, 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 it doesn't settle. It's not reasonable to assume that Vladimir Putin is going to, pull, to pour millions of dollars into this effort. And thousands of man hours into this effort with no result. Because clearly there was a result. Everyone was shocked at the upset of the century of Donald Trump being elected. Even Donald Trump was shocked that he was elected. Just the way it is. And for Donald Trump to deny for now months upon months upon months that this was a happening, that this was an occurrence, that this is real, is unconscionable. Because if he doesn't believe that it took place, then what obligation does he have to see that it doesn't happen again? Listen recently to our six top intelligence officials warning Congress that this is real. 
And they are indeed targeting the United States for our next national election. Tonight, this dire message. Frankly, the United States is under attack. President Trump's six top intelligence officials warning the Russians are already targeting the upcoming 2018 midterm elections. We need to inform the American public that this is real, that this is going to be happening, and, and the resilience needed for us to stand up and say we're not going to allow some Russian to tell us how to vote. Have you seen Russian activity in the lead up to the 2018 election cycle? Yes, we, we have seen Russian uh, activity and intentions to have an impact on the next election cycle here. ABC News has learned that the Russians plan not only to use social media to sow discord through fake news, but a probing state election system to see if they can be infiltrated. We reported in the September before the 2016 election that 21 states were targeted by Russian hackers. And this stark assessment from the Republican chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. But we've seen some activity uh, at state elected officials uh, that were... Uh, attempts uh, electronically to to uh, search uh, those individuals. So we assume that there's still the intent. Some senators criticizing President Trump, who recently said this. Could very well have been Russia, but I think it could well have been other countries, and I won't be specific, but uh, I think a lot of people interfere. We cannot confront this threat, which is a serious one, with a whole-of-government response when the leader of the government continues to deny that it exists. It's remarkable that you've got all the leaders of the intelligence community, yet you still don't have the president of the United States acknowledging the level of this threat. You want to hear more from him? We've all been waiting a long time. Now listen, one of the reasons why Donald Trump doesn't want to focus on this, or maybe can't, is because of the fact that he is embroiled in scandal after scandal after scandal. Last week it was announced, we never got to it because of the fucking insane cycle of news, that Michael Cohen, his personal lawyer, his smarmy, smug prick of a personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, claims to have personally paid Stephanie Clifford, a.k.a. Stormy Daniels, the $130,000 but he never told Donald Trump. He never announced it to the campaign. He just he kept it a secret because it's out of the goodness of his own heart. There's some breaking news tonight about that reported hush money paid to porn star. I don't know if she's a star, but porn actress. I don't know what she's an wow. actress. Anyway, Stormy Daniels over the affair with the president years ago. The New York Times is now reporting that Michael Cohen, the president's lawyer, says he paid the $130,000 out of his own pocket. Maggie Haberman joins me now on the phone. Maggie, explain uh, what the story is. Sure. Uh, Anderson, uh, Michael Cohen um, told me that he had paid that $130,000 payment that the Wall Street Journal first reported on last month uh, as coming from uh, an unknown LLC that he had set up, but he had not answered any questions about it. He now confirms that he paid it. He says it was money out of his own pocket, that it was not money from the campaign or money that was routed to him through some other fashion. He said this because it's essentially what he said in response to a, a complaint the Common Cause filed, the good government group, with uh, the FEC and the DOJ uh, about uh, the nature of that payment. They alleged that it was an in-kind contribution. There was widespread speculation that it was. Um, look, we obviously have not seen bank records, um, but uh, but Cohen has been Trump's lawyer um, and working at the Trump Organization for 
roughly a decade um, in the time that I've known him, and, and he was, uh, you know, among the, the most vocal attack dogs on behalf of Trump last year, and he would often chase down information, um, even if it was later deemed false, because he, he kept saying to people that, you know, even, even false information could be damaging to him. Um, he would not answer a number of additional questions, though, including why he did this, whether the president knew, um, you know, when exactly this took place, um, and so forth and so on. Um, so, so this will go on, um, but this is the first time he's talked about it. Well, let me ask you, Maggie, was there a reason why he spoke now about it? Because obviously this was a story that broke several weeks ago. Questions mm-hmm. were raised, questions were asked about him. He could have said very well right then, uh, that was my money, I gave it personally. Um, it, was there some sort of a filing from this, yeah, uh, this re- lawsuit? He had, re- he, had a, he had a window with which to respond to the FEC. Um, and, and this was right within that window. So he addressed it publicly. So he addressed it publicly, but didn't answer any further questions that you had. Correct. Correct. And there are, there are a number of remaining questions. What questions would you ask? I mean, would you like to get answers on? Well, I mean, the questions that I did ask were, you know, why then did the president know, um, uh, you know, is there any, essentially, is there any record of this transaction in terms of, um, in terms of his personal money? Um, were there any other similar circumstances? Um, you know, remember Cohen has said that Trump has denied uh, a relationship um, with, her, I think her real name is Stephanie Clifford, um, uh, with, uh, with the woman whose, whose stage name is Stormy Daniels. Um, then that raises the question, were there other similar instances where money could have been paid? That's the question. Now we're finding out. Well, first of all, let's say this. Listen. Donald Trump can't respond to amazing occurrences that are taking place surrounding the Russia investigation, amazing information that is contained within the indictment itself because of all of this. They have a quote from an email that they they, uh, recovered, the Mueller investigation, where these Russians... On September 13th, 2017, one of them wrote an email to a family member. He says, quote, we had a slight crisis here at work. The FBI busted our activity. Parenthetically, he says, not a joke. So I got preoccupied with covering tracks together with the colleagues. (laughs) Also says, I created all these pictures and posts and the Americans believed that it was written by their people. Donald Trump's too busy, or maybe it's a welcome respite that he's not able to address this Russia bullshit because the walls are closing in on him. Because not only is there the Stormy Daniels payoff, which, by the way, is likely a campaign finance violation because that benefited Donald Trump, that information would have been damaging And seeing that it didn't see the light of day is a benefit to the Trump campaign and very valuable. So you don't get to just do it for free. Secondly, it's an ethical violation for a lawyer. You're not, as a lawyer, you're not allowed to pay settlements out of your own money for your client. You're not allowed to pay bail for your clients. It's an ethical violation. But Donald Trump, this is not the only thing that he's not able to deal with. There's another affair that is now being revealed with a Playboy playmate 
named Karen McDougal. Joining me now is Ronan Farrow. He is the reporter who broke the story about President Trump's affair with Karen McDougal and, and really the remarkable efforts uh, to, to cover it up. Uh, so you see that there. We're seeing the ripple effects from this pattern of behavior of the president. It wouldn't be for me to speculate, mm -hmm. you know, the state of mind of the first lady or whether there's any mm -hmm. link between those things. But yes, you know, I, I think this is a highly significant story on a couple of levels. First of all, because we now have multiple alleged relationships, both consensual and in some cases uh, extending to non-consensual advances of various types, uh, that suggest a pattern of behavior with women, including uh, a shared uh, set of tactics to silence women at mm -hmm. times. Catch and kill. Explain what that means and, and how that played out. Catch and kill is a term that's used by many in the tabloid industry to describe the practice of acquiring the rights to a story with the intention of burying it. And we talked to six former employees of this tabloid company, AMI, which owns the National Enquirer, um, who said that is a, a routine tactic used by that company. And that, interestingly, Jim, that provides leverage, an opportunity for influence over the person whose dirt they own. Mm -hmm. And y you say that, that since then, the, the AMI has reached out to Karen McDougal again, right? To interest of, what, re-signing her to a contract to, to apparently never publish the story? So they acquired the limited life rights to any affair with a then-married man that she had. And a retainer that we obtained with her attorney at the time made explicit that that was a reference to Donald Trump. Um, in the course of the past year since the election, uh, contact had been intermittent. They seemed to uh, resume interest, I think, in McDougal's view. Anytime there was a risk she was going to speak to the press, since the Stormy Daniels story broke, uh, there has been a renewed effort to have Karen McDougal sign a new set of contracts. And, and is it your interpretation from this that, that, that AMI, the National Enquirer, has had any interest or intention to ever publish her story here, or is this really part of this pattern of silencing via these payments? Look, AMI had a uh, very ample opportunity for input and comment in this piece, um, and they say very clearly that uh, they did not at any point intend to uh, publish this piece because, because they did not find the story credible. Mm -hmm. That is their line on the matter. And like you said, you've spoken to employees who contradict that line. That's right. Uh, in your reporting, did you hear from anyone that the president, to your knowledge or to their knowledge, was ever aware of these arrangements? We are not reporting that this was ordered by the president, um, but certainly according to those former employees, this was to the benefit of the president, president and in a context of a relationship where the head of this company, David Pecker, has openly said that he is loyal to the president and that he considers the president to be a close friend. Now, we talked about the pattern here of catch and kill, right, try to, try to bury these stories in effect, including with financial payments. There's also a pattern to the president's behavior uh, with these relationships outside his marriage, is there not? Where he meets, how he meets, how he compensates them for their ex expenses, explain that. All of the above, uh, you know, one common trend that we hear in a number of these stories is Donald Trump offering money for sex. Mm -hmm. um, and that's present in McDougal's story. She says she was offended when that happened, when after they had sex, An he offered her money. offer to... Right exchange money for so, physical so, so that is that is one commonality but you know there, there are numerous ones including the locations and the time frames uh, at the same time frame in which Stormy Daniels alleges that she began her affair with Trump um, that is also a golf tournament at which Karen McDougal says that she in this written testimony we have from her that she began a, a relationship with Donald Trump now oftentimes including on the sexual harassment stories that you've covered having a personal and detailed account is essential to the case and you got a uh, a handwritten note uh, recounting Karen McDoodle's interactions with the president. Explain how you got that and what, what it detailed. 
So Karen McDougal feels that she ultimately was, in a sense, cornered into a, a, a set of contracts that she finds onerous and exploitative. Um, she's frustrated, I think, with her inability to speak, in her view, um, and she has regrets about this. She fully admits that she voluntarily signed those agreements, and the reason that this written testimony exists is because in the course of selling the story, um, a friend of hers who coaxed her into selling it said, sit down and write every detail. And right. she did. And she did, and you were able to see those. Uh, now, she, she says, I understand she feels trapped in her silence here. AMI has released a statement saying to some degree that perhaps she's free to speak now. And I know this is, this is a legal question here, but, but might we hear from Karen McDougal coming out in public with so, us? So she did speak on the record for this story. Um, the distinction is that she spoke... Uh, you know, quite volubly about the condition of being in this contract. Right. Uh, the detailed blow-by-blow -blow of the affair is from that written testimony. Um, and she said that she is terrified of legal retaliation, so that's why there's that demarcation. In terms of her future ability to speak, Jim, it, there's an interesting he said, she said here. Um, AMI says that she can now speak because of an amendment to the contract after the election. Remember, they acquired these right. limited life story rights, the election happened, and afterwards there was an amendment that they say permits her to respond to legitimate journalistic inquiries. Now, she and her representatives say they're still scared and they don't believe the letter of this agreement allows them to speak. Well, this is a remarkable story and already a, a remarkable amount of detail here. Ronan Farrow, thanks very much. Thank you very much. Next. So this affair began several months after Barron was born. And like Ronan Farrow, who I love so much. Ronan Farrow is the same one who broke the Harvey Weinstein story. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, in, in this article, he talks about the similarities, like he, like he said, between the other stories of women that have come forward and the Beverly Hills hotel is a prominent meeting the place, food, the food that he eats, the steak and the, the mashed potatoes, <laughs> <laughs> the well done steak mm -hmm. with ketchup. And mashed potatoes. Well, they don't they don't talk about the ketchup. Well, that's but, what he likes. Okay, you're adding that. Yeah, um, and reimbursing them for travel, uh, reimbursing her, Karen McDougal. I don't know if that was the case for Stormy Daniels, but she would travel to meet him places, and he wouldn't, you know, buy the plane ticket for her. He would wait and then give her the money that it cost for her to travel yeah. to whatever location she needed to in order to meet him, but. She also apparently saw Melania Trump's bedroom during a stay at Trump Tower huh. and posed for pictures with some individuals in the Trump family. So she was around, around, yeah, yeah. which is kind of awkward. And uh, well, didn't didn't she also write a lot of this stuff down? So it's not like they can say, oh, no, that's all just made up bullshit. She's saying things. From years ago when it happened, having written it all down, that are lining up with the stuff that Stormy Daniels has said. Yeah. Which is just, it's a layer of confirmation mm -hmm. that this is correct. With also the payment that he talked about. Um, after the first time they had sex, he, he handed her money. And she said that it hurt her feelings in the journal, in the writing. She said that it made her feel sad. Um, and that she said that that's not why that happened and that she had sex with him because she likes him <laughs> and the way she got around um saying but that happened with stormy daniels too right, was right, right. my point yeah. is that he offered to pay her as well but i was going to say that she she is she has verified that the journal that ronan farrow has a hold of he has possession of 
she has verified that it is her handwriting. She was surprised when he had it. Yeah. So she hasn't said publicly because she she's afraid of legal action on the part of American Media Inc., which is National Enquirer, which is acting on behalf of Donald Trump. Yeah. She... Or should I say... Allegedly. Yeah. She confirmed that it is her handwriting. So she did that much. Yeah. But yeah, so... <laughs> so all of this is a major deal for Donald Trump, a, a distraction, even though evangelical leaders and his base mm -hmm. and good Christians all over America who love God mm -hmm. are, eh, no big deal. Mm -hmm. He's fucking porn stars and Playboy playmates while he his wife is home alone with their their baby son. Mm -hmm. Ah, what are you gonna do? Mm -hmm. It's bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre times. Well, I don't know what all of these people expect. <laughs> this isn't surprising right. yeah. at all. But I think it is probably causing problems between Donald Trump and Melania. Because she is not traveling with him to the plane. And She's probably fucking embarrassed. Meeting him there rather than traveling in the same car as him. Um, I mean, that's just speculation, obviously. I don't have the inside scoop there for you guys. <laughs> it's reasonable to assume mm -hmm. that she is not happy. Yeah, this this is embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is terrible to have this in it's, the... Well, we have a terrible man. As president. Yeah. So I don't know how people can continue to defend it. And as more people come out, because Ronan Farrow is on this. Yeah. Bold, and he's a bulldog. He exposed so much about the Weinstein stuff, especially the systematic cover up uh, that was going on with people who were close to him. Even in, in the face of threats against him. Yeah. Legal threats against. I mean, they're, they're, they go hard at him. Right. And, and he's, fuck you. I'm, I'm going to tell the truth here. Yeah. So now he's on Donald Trump and. I don't think that's going to go well. Yeah, it's real good news for us. Mm -hmm. Americans who love America. Yeah. As I yawn into the microphone. Mm. Yeah. Well, that that's a real pepped up for the hashtag third episode. That's a perfect time to leave, is it not? Uh, Your in, yawn. Into the show. Yeah. It's a harbinger of things to come for the audience. Mm. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us for this second of three episodes for the week. This is something that you guys could look forward to every single week if we only gained a few more patreon supporters you can go to dollamore.com slash patreon that is a way you can even donate through paypal there's all kinds of little buttons all over the website to do a one-time donation you don't have to do uh the patreon every month thing you could certainly do a one-time one month uh whatever amount I and mean, th th then there's you know the sky's the limit you can give a dollar. You can give whatever. We would appreciate it. It helps promote the show. Excuse me. It helps produce the show. Helps move the conversation forward episode by episode. You can also buy crap on Amazon. Dollamore.com slash Amazon. There's all kinds of ways. You can rate and review the show. We love partnering with our audience. Uh, providing a, a platform for people to get their opinions out there. And really, you know... Again, once again, saying it again in just a few minutes' time, moving the conversation forward. I really feel like we together are making a difference in this world, whether it be related to just getting accurate information out there, partisan as it might be. 
about the Trump thing or, you know, about, you know, cultural touchstone issues that, that we face on a daily basis like we're facing right now with this gun issue and school shooting issue. So uh, we appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your listenership. And that is all until next time. 657-464-7609. Of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We'll see you. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I'm Sarah. I don't like Jesse D. He's rubbish.